You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. But we finished the Bible, so now we're talking about stories that seem like they should be in there but simply aren't. My name is Nico Bakulich. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And let's get biblical. Let's simply get biblical. But before we do that, or anything else. Yeah. Do not play this for your children. And it's not a Christian Bible study podcast. That's right. I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. Lauren is the... Ex-Christian. I was raised Presbyterian. I was in the worship band. I taught Sunday school. And now I'm an atheist. Is there anything else the listeners need to know? But one more fact. One more? One more fact, which is that we have a guest tonight, as we have done before and hopefully will again. Hopefully. Unless Uh, this is the guy that's going to burn it all down. (laughs) This guest... His writing has appeared in Electric Literature, Barrel House, The Columbia Journal, The New York Observer, Paste, and the anthology Loose Lips, Fan Fiction Parodies of Great and Terrible Literature from Hachette. Nate Wagner, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's our pleasure. Nate, we will ask you as we ask all of our guests, what is your religious background? Your, uh, I (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) So I was raised in the Church of the Brethren, um, never heard which this. is Mennonite adjacent. Oh my! Oh really? But to go to like my church that I went to as a kid, it, you would just think like this is like a pretty normal Protestant denomination. But um, they're pacifists, like they're active, like they're actively okay. like pacifists about uh, like American wars and stuff, um, and. Uh, yeah, they're like they're like uh, they ha- they practice adult baptism, um, and I had like a fine time going to like youth group stuff as a kid, but I I don't think I don't think I have like belief in my heart, you know, and I I think that you don't think you're not sure. I don't I don't feel it like you know like I don't like I don't like feel the I've never had like the Lord speak to me. Yeah, or, like, and there are like people that I know that like I believe that they have had that. Hmm. But I, but it's not, it's like somehow it's like not for me. And I still obviously like have big issues with like the church and like, um, with like what's, what exists like in Christianity to a large extent. But I also think there's like a lot of great ethical and moral ideas in there and in subsequent like Christian thinkers and stuff like that. And I think that I'm an agnostic who like in, in, in that I think like, there's there's probably something metaphysical and supernatural 
that exists that we we that we could not understand that our brains would explode if we if we like thought too hard about I it. I mean, my brain explodes if I think too hard about like the moon. So <laughs> exactly, like that's yeah. exactly what I. That's my whole belief. System. Yeah, yeah. Like the moon. Like, is she gay? Is she not gay? NASA confirmed. <laughs> she gay. <laughs> um. So today the. Bible story that actually isn't in the Bible that we're talking about is Nimrod. Mm-hmm. The, the name that's on America's lips. Nimrod. Mm-hmm. You brought the right guy. You were thinking of me and you were thinking of Nimrod. <laughs> he he actually is mentioned briefly in the canonical Bible. That's right. He is mentioned in uh, Genesis 10, and this was actually one of our sleeper favorite verses in mm-hmm. our very first episode which was genesis uh genesis ten eight nine says cush was the father of nimrod who became a mighty warrior on the earth he was a mighty hunter before the lord that is why it is said like nimrod a mighty hunter before the lord which seemed goofy and strange <coughs> back when we read it the first time and still does and <laughs> thank you for explaining that nimrod was called a mighty hunter before the lord because, because... he was in fact a mighty hunter before the Lord. And that's why they say Nimrod is a mighty hunter before the Lord. You got it. Really connecting the dots in a way that no one needs. Um, the phrase in Hebrew, I looked this up, is Gebor Tzaid. My Hebrew accent is getting worse without practice. Gebor Tzaid, which means uh, like heroic hunter. Okay. However, I decided to paste that into Google Translate uh, and it translated it as horseman. Horseman. So maybe Nimrod was a centaur. We don't know. We simply we can't cannot say. know. But we can speculate and we or, will. Or a sad horse in, in Hollywood who like. Well, he like was in a TV show like in the 80s. And, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Nimrod Horseman. <laughs> Nimrod Horseman. Uh, a similar line is repeated in First Chronicles, just saying he was like a mighty hunter. And the book of Micah mentions the land of Nimrod, mm. uh, which is presumably the land where Nimrod was once king. According to Genesis, that's the land of Shinar, including the cities. Are you ready? As ready as I've Erech, ever been. Akkad, Kalne, and most importantly, Babylon or Babel, mm-hmm. translated both ways in different translations. It also says he built Nineveh, which, as we know, ends up being a very sinful place mm-hmm. until Jonah with uh, with much whining and reluctance, is forced into converting everybody there. The next chapter of Genesis, after the one that mentions Nimrod, is about the Tower of Babel. It does not mention Nimrod, but it does say that the Tower of Babel was built in the land of Shinar, when mm-hmm. he was king, um, and it's right there in the next chapter. And so traditionally, that's Nimrod ordered the Tower of Babel to be built. Makes sense, even though it doesn't say it explicitly. Uh, if you want to refresh on the Tower of Babel, I will give it to you. First Everyone, of all, before we do this, yeah, I need an important tower check around the room. Okay. Tower check. Thank you for the drop. I appreciate that. It was on the soundboard. I was reaching to press it, but he preempted me. He's a fan of the show. So when you think of Tower Babel, what kind tower are you thinking of? Right. Tall, skinny one? Up to the heaven? Climb all the way. Nate's, Nate's nodding very enthusiastically. Yeah. What do you think, Lauren? Well, I know what it really is from when we did our first episode. Okay. In, my, I, in my mind, it's still it's still big, tall. Boy. It's still a big castle tower. That's right. A European style castle tower. 
I mean, it's not exactly European in my mind. It certainly has a flair of the foreign. <laughs> it is uh, being written about by Edward Said in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's a ziggurat. Yeah, it's a big, it's a, it's a pyramid. It should be called the ziggurat of Babylon, not the tower. Uh, according to Genesis, people tried to build this this giant brick ziggurat, and it specifies that it's brick, not stone. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was supposed to go up to heaven. God decided that was too uppity. He made everyone speak different languages so they could no longer work construction together <laughs> and scattered them over the face of the earth. Kids and folks, please remember that teamwork and brick buildings are forbidden Lead by our Lord. Multicultural. <laughs> Which is a curse that God put on us. <laughs> That's right. We're going there. <laughs> We're not going there. Uh, so that's everything about Nimrod and Babel that is in the actual canonical Bible. It's very, very small amount of material. It's only like 20 sentences total, even mm-hmm. even less, probably like 18. But Nimrod has a rich life outside of the Bible. Yes. Um, because of his connection with Babel, traditionally, uh, he's basically portrayed as this this crafty, wicked king, and all these folktales sprung up around him. Mm-hmm. And he, in in these folktales, often takes on the aspects of many actual Babylonian kings. I mean, you could maybe presume that the Jews' experience in the Babylonian exile led them to have, well, I don't know, a hang-up about Babylon? Mm. And so anything associated with them, with uh, with Babylon, takes on a, a, an air of the the mystical or, or the oppositional. It, yeah, for sure. So Nimrod, by that dent, as you said, becomes like a catch-all figure for evil kings. Uh, so, for example, uh, you know, we know that he's a mighty hunter. That's his main deal. Right. But according to one tradition, it's not that he had great hunting skill. It's that he gained his powers from a magic cloak. And the cloak was originally the clothing that God gave to Adam and Eve when he kicked them out of Eden and they could no longer be naked. Right. This and is it, not it, in it, the Bible. In a touch that sounds to me like it's directly out of Ubisoft's Assassin's Creed series. <laughs> so then this this cloak was passed down through the generations. It went to Noah uh, and then his son Ham, who we know is a very naughty boy mm-hmm. and was cursed and all the descendants were cursed because he did see Noah's dick when Noah was passed out drunk. Uh, he stole the cloak, gave it to his son Cush, who then gave it to his son Nimrod. Or Nimrod stole the cloak. It was it was stolen. Right. The important thing is that it's, it was not owned by its rightful heir. It was ill-gotten. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to some legends, the cloak was made out of Leviathan skin. According to some, it was made of the skin of the serpent that tempted Adam and Eve. Uh, one source said it was made out of a smooth material like fingernails. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine Thanks. a fingernail cloak? I hate it. I don't like it. No, nor do I. Nor do I think that that would have the power that this legend seems to think it would. Yeah, so the cloak... People would be... I mean, except... <laughs> Is making people immensely creeped out at the mere sight of you <laughs> enough to get you ahead in life? Well, here's the thing. How do you parlay that into into power? It made you invisible. Mm. 
or it made you look like Adam. Right. And then all the animals would obey you because you're Adam and you like named them all and cool. whatever. Like an Aquaman for the land. For the land. <laughs> um, Geo Man, let's say. <laughs> Terra Man. Mm-hmm. So that was how he became a great hunter. He was cheating with this magical cloak made of fingernails. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> um did you read any any details about uh, his his direction of the Tower of Babel? What do you mean? Well, uh, according to legend, the Tower of Babel took 40 years to be built. Okay, that's not that surprising. And if you tried to climb to the top, it would take you one year. That seems a little less likely. <laughs> they didn't know about climbing tall mountains yet. Oh, like, you think they haven't developed the technique? They they didn't know, like, Everest, you climb it in a few days. You mm-hmm. know, they they were just like, if it's tall, it's going to take you a year. <laughs> uh, if someone who was building the tower fell and died, then everyone was they just supposed to. They kept falling for a hundred years. <laughs> that's, that's right. It's, a, it's one year going up and a hundred coming down. <laughs> you were just supposed to ignore it. Everyone was, it was just, that person's gone. We don't talk about that person anymore. But if a brick fell or a tool, then it had to go be retrieved, which seems like it might be a problem if you're like working near the top. It's going to take you like nine months to get back up there. Um, according to the Jewish historian Josephus, who... Oh, are you talking about Flavius? <laughs> Flava Flavius. He, he lived during the first century, shortly after Jesus. And uh, according to him, Nimrod built this tower as a response to the flood. Mm. Noah is his great-grandfather, so the flood is not too far back in the past. And... He supposedly wanted to build a tower that was tall enough that if another flood happened, he could just climb to the top. That seems very practical to me. I mean, decently practical. That but... just seems like good planning to me. Yeah, but didn't Noah wash up on Mount Ararat? So you already got a tower that nature built for <laughs> nature you. Nature <laughs> built. Well, here's what's not practical mm-hmm. is that he put a statue on top of the tower that depicted a man just shaking a sword at God. <laughs> I mean... Practically speaking, yeah, that's a misstep. Obviously, a that's not going to go over well. <laughs> tactical error. God can, you know, God can flood the entire world and you think he's going to be threatened by a statue with a sword. Not thinking, not thinking ahead, Nimrod. So one thing I, I would like to bring up is that when you talk about Nimrod being a mighty hunter before the Lord, mm-hmm. and you were talking about translating that directly to Hebrew from the English translation. Yes, and actually, I this is a translation issue it's lifne, right? I don't know what that means. Uh, that means in front of. Right. It's 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 more properly thought of that he is a hunter in the sight of the Lord well, or something like that. I actually know about this from actual Hebrew class. Uh, well, then we'll just move on. Then. <laughs> lifne means in front of, like, and it and it's still used today. It's mm-hmm. like a vocab word that I learned in my first year of Hebrew, but uh, it comes from. So the Hebrew word for face is panim. Okay. And lifne is like just. It's basically in the face of. Mm. It's like le panim, lifne. Yeah, yeah. So it could mean that he's a hunter kind of in the face of the Lord, like confrontationally. He puts his will against that yeah. of the Lord. And in the, in the rabbinical tradition from the early CE years, that's very much how Nimrod is thought of, that he is like a rebel. He's a... Uh, uh, rebel dotty, He's... one might say. A loner. <laughs> right. Great. They also connect the word Nimrod with a Hebrew word meaning rebel. Oh, I didn't know that. It is still a common name 
in Hebrew really? today. Yeah, there's plenty of people, plenty of Israelis named Nimrod. That's dope. Also in the Book of Jubilees, something that we talked about on a previous episode, which is a Ge'ez text, mm-hmm. Nimrod is mentioned sort of in that the Greek style of his name called Nebrod is mentioned. Oh, and he in, probably read right over that and had no idea what it was. <laughs> yeah, that one is really confusing and probably not like applicable to law what we're talking about. Because Okay, great. Well, let's spend a lot more time on it then. Okay, cool. So as a kind of rebellious king who doesn't go along with God's plan, mm-hmm. uh, Nimrod is also involved in an origin story of Abraham. So in the canonical Bible... Abraham is the is the founder of Judaism. He's living in a land where everybody worships idols, and he rejects that and strikes out on his own to become the first monotheist. He signs an exclusive contract with this <laughs> hot new god. And uh, in some legends outside the Bible, there's a parallel to Moses, where Nimrod is the king. He gets this prophecy that... A male child will grow up to defeat him, and so he orders all male children killed. Uh, Abraham's father, Terah, who is mentioned in the Bible, is apparently an advisor to Nimrod Mm -hmm. in this story. And the rightful heir to to God's favor. So this is a a problem for him. When his wife gets pregnant, she decides to hide it from him. And she just goes off to a cave and gives birth. Kind Classic of like, biblical strategy. Yes. Find the cave. <laughs> we saw this save in the, the, day. the infancy gospel of James. One of them, yeah. In one of the infancy gospels, Mary goes off to a cave. Right. And in fact, I see a lot Jesus. of I see a lot of Jesus in this in this telling of the Abraham origin story yes. as well. Stars in the sky. Yes. Um, a vengeful king looking for blood. Uh, and the baby is born all glowing, mm-hmm. like Noah in the Book of Enoch. Right. Uh, and then the mom freaks out and runs away because she's like, oh, a glowing child. <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> I fucked up somehow. Uh, the angel Gabriel comes down to the cave, helps m- make milk flow from Abraham's thumb so he can feed himself by sucking his thumb. Wow. And then uh, when Abraham grows up and starts, you know, smashing everybody's idols, Nimrod throws him in the fiery furnace, like Mm -hmm. in the book of Daniel. So, you know, and of course he emerges completely unharmed. And he's like, that was actually fun. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually actually laughing. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny to me. (laughs) Uh, I feel kind of bad for Nimrod because I feel like all his myths are like copypasta. (laughs) A bunch of his myths are copypasta, including in some cases how he dies. How does he how does he die? In some versions of the story, Nimrod challenges Abraham to battle after, you know, the whole fiery after... furnace incident. Uh-huh. Um, and then because he's care mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't like this direction. <laughs> but when Nimrod... it's about ethics and journalism, <laughs> that's right. When Nimrod shows up with his army, Abraham takes out of his pocket a handful of gnats. Gnats that fly over and crawl up inside his brain. His brain? And eat he him up. He that. Which is, if you'll remember, the curse of uh, Titus, the, the Roman emperor Titus, who destroyed the temple. Oh, I don't remember that. They say that he was given a crazy, the, the, the Jewish legend is that he was killed by a curse from God where bugs ate his brain. Okay. Oh, I vaguely remember that. 
Was that in Maccabees or something? Yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, Nate, how are you feeling about Nimrod right now? I'm feeling great about that. Guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to hold out. I think he's. I think he's going to uh, persevere. He's got. He's had worms in his brain. And... <laughs> he's got staying power. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been mad online, but I think I think <laughs> he's like gonna gonna hang in there. Uh, later, Abraham, if he doesn't uh, defeat him with nets, mm-hmm. if he just fucks off and founds Judaism, later he he begets Isaac. Who says you can't do both? <laughs> <laughs> no, who says you can't do both? But if he doesn't, Abraham begets Isaac. Isaac begets Jacob and Esau. One of the great sibling rivalries, top ten sibling rivalries of all time. <laughs> um, and in the canonical Bible, Jacob pulls two uh, very harsh twin pranks. Right? These are the classic stories of Jacob and Esau. One is he uh, convinces Esau to sell him his birthright, right, for a bowl of lentil soup, for a bowl of red pottage, i.e., lentil soup. And the other is that he tricks Isaac into giving his fatherly blessing to him instead of to Esau, who's the firstborn. He does this by wearing a a goat skin so that he feels hairy because Isaac has gone blind. And he's like, hmm, you sound like Jacob, but when I touch you, you're hairy, like my hairy son Esau. (laughs) My goat-like son. And then he gives him the blessing. So Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing. Um, In some legends... They play this out like the reason Jacob is eating lentils is because Abraham has just died. Right. Of old age. And lentils are the morning, the morning food because they're circular like the circle of life. Hmm. I think anyone can. Lentils are so versatile. I think anyone can appreciate that about lentils. That's my problem with lentils as a morning food is that like. (laughs) Right, it's you can get a complete protein just from cooked lentils, I think, or lentils and rice. So, I mean, why wouldn't you have that in your diet all the time? You're just thinking of reasons to mourn to eat the lentils, or it's just like, I mean, they kind (laughs) of suck. I guess they would certainly suck if you had them every day. So, Jacob is because it it means someone died every day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would suck. (laughs) Someone did die every day. Bad news. People are dying left and right. Someone did die today. Um, So Jacob was being a very good, pious boy and Mm. eating his lentils. Meanwhile, Esau had just gone out and killed Nimrod. He perhaps somehow got a hold of the magical cloak and defeated Nimrod. And then he comes home and he's bragging about how he killed Nimrod. When the little kid kills that one major character. Wow, spoiler alert. (laughs) Like very unexpectedly. That was fucked up. That was Omar that he killed well now you spoiled it he said just a little kid killed a major character oh well i spoiled it because the show came out 15 years ago um the, the time itself spoiled it, so. <laughs> time is a flat circle time is much the... like a lentil <laughs> um he comes home bragging about killing nimrod and not properly observing mourning mm. so it actually jacob was totally justified in in stealing his birthright for that reason so it was fine the other thing is that maybe Jacob then got a hold of the magical cloak. And when Isaac was was feeling around for him, he was he was feeling the fingernails. <laughs> he was like, or just, oh, the, this is my hairy fingernail son, Esau. And this is a bowl of Frankenstein's <laughs> eyeballs. And this one is brains. <laughs> and that's... Uh, 
that's Nimrod's magical cloak and how he may or may not relate to the stories of Jacob and Esau. <laughs> that's that's the funny thing about about a bunch of this Nimrod stuff is that he's apparently all over the place. He's very yeah, just anytime you need a king, a, a bad king, right, who's going to fight with, you know, our chosen dudes, then just throw Nimrod in there. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to have many characteristics besides being an evil king, I guess, and and loving idolatry, just like being a huge <laughs> fan of idolatry. Well, and, you know, um, at least a dilettante in architecture, you know. He's, yeah, he's like Elon Musk. Like he wants to build <laughs> shit that's, like, impossible, and he just, like, says that he's He's like, it's it. a moonshot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to build a tower to the moon. It's a moonshot. So there's a, there's a midrash that has the end of the story of uh, of Abraham and Nimrod, specifically throwing him A midrash, in... for anybody who doesn't know, is like a rabbinical commentary yeah. on biblical stuff. Um, and it's got the end of this story where Nimrod throws Abraham into the fiery furnace after apparently sending people out to gather wood for four years in order, four years. In order to build the largest fire that anyone has ever seen so that they can throw fire Abraham festival. into it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Hashtag. <laughs> So <laughs> I, I just want to read you a little bit about like this is this is where Nimrod's coming from. Okay. When he throws Abraham into the fire. Okay. Nimrod told him, worship the cloud. Abraham said to him. Already so done. Fire festival. Hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> if so, shall I worship the wind which scatters the clouds? Nimrod said to him, worship the wind. Abraham said to him, and shall we worship the human who understands the mm -hmm. wind? Said Nimrod to him, you pile words upon words. I bow to none but the fire. In it I shall throw you and let the God to whom you bow come and save you from it. That's sick. It's nice. good. It's pretty good. But so he worships the fire. Now, another fellow from history was also famous for worshiping the fire. Um, uh, Satan? No, oh. not Satan. Uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar? No. Uh, John Lennon. <laughs> That's right. Was it John Lennon? The fifth Beatle, <laughs> as he is sometimes called. No, I was thinking of Zoroaster. Oh, and oh yeah, they do. They have uh, they have a lot of fire. They got a lot of fire stuff. Zoroastrianism, right? So there's so there's some thought that some of this Nimrod stuff may again have flowed into Judaism during the Babylonian exile because Zoroastrianism crossover between cultures during that time. There is, you know, and they're going to just pick up some elements of like general archetypes of bad guys or of bad rulers, you know, and like punishing people for not worshiping the same idols as you do. Classic bad ruler kind of thing, unless you're a Jewish king <laughs> in the Bible. Um, but so that's one potential avenue where like all this Nimrod crap actually may connect to history in some way, which is kind of fascinating. Um, I have some more to talk about, but I think we should take a quick break you're going to hear some music, and then we'll be back in just a second, and we're going to keep talking Nimrod every which way you can do it. <laughs> You're listening I promise to talking you. Nimrod. That's right. <laughs> All right. Bye. See you. Thank you. 
Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we have Nate Wagoner with us. Hey. Hey. Skirt, skirt. And we're talking about Nimrod. Nico, what were you saying when we left? I don't remember because I already drank more wine. <laughs> That's a great question, Lauren. Thanks for teeing that one up. <laughs> I was talking about Nimrod's potential relationship with uh, Zoroaster. Oh, right. You and know. possible historical uh, precedents. Yeah, possible historical precedents, because it goes back even further than that. So contemporary scholars mm-hmm. are always trying to look at what things in the Bible that might be mythologized have connections to history. Okay. Naturally, because that's interesting, and they can do what they want with their lives. Good for them. Right? So I looked online, which is where I get most of my information mm-hmm. from from online. And I found a bunch of crazy shit. <laughs> you're not surprised. You're not surprised to hear that. You found crazy shit on online. Yeah, I found one page basically that was entirely dedicated to the idea that Nimrod, the like mythical Nimrod, this mm-hmm. king who opposed Abraham and who you know ha- ruled this great empire and whatever, was just a reinterpretation of Gilgamesh, the great Gilgam- Babylonian so he- I've hero. I've never actually. Have you read Gilgamesh? Name? No. So the big deal with, I mean, like Gilgamesh is is pretty, it was probably written for the first time like 2000 BC. That's a long time ago. Which is a long time ago. It's an epic poem. That's, um, that's pre-Bible. Pre-Bible. And parts of it are probably even older than that. But um, Gilgamesh is a real character. Okay. and Tell he, me more. He's, first of all, he's, he's smart. He's brave. Um, he finds unusual solutions to to problems. He's also very lusty and, you know, rude. He's like Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, he's just like Elon Musk. He's also very disrespectful to the gods you know, when they disrespect him. Also so, like Elon Musk. <laughs> one of the things that Gilgamesh does is after the... For the record, I don't think Elon Musk is smart or brave. Just for the record, that was a joke. <laughs> I just don't want anybody to come for me. One of the things that Gilgamesh does, and I'm going to ignore it because I don't even hear the words when you say them. I don't know who <laughs> you're talking about or what it is. But is after the after there's a flood in the Gil, in the Gilgamesh story. That's it's like okay. very Noah-esque. Okay. Um, and after he survives it, he basically goes on a mission to kill the god that caused the flood. Mm. Does he build a big tower? He does not build a big tower. Oh. At, at least as far as I know. I have only read excerpts from it. I'm not a Gilgameshian scholar. That's not my jam, okay? Okay. And don't accuse me like that. I'm extremely disappointed in you, but... Yeah. So anyway, he goes after this god, and with the help of his friend, who is half man, half beast, by the name of Enkidu... Mm, I heard of him because of uh, that Neil Stevenson book. <laughs> what was it called? I don't know. Snow Crash. Snow Crash. Is he in there? Or <laughs> yeah. is that is that like the name of like a cool hacker chick? <laughs> no, he he he's like uh the originator of like brain hacks. Brain hacking. I love brain hacking. Nate, how do you feel about it? It's good. Fucking stellar. <laughs> so they go and kill this guy. Okay. Who's this god that caused the flood? Now, his name sounds a little bit like Yahweh. What's his name? The creature's name is Huawa. Huawa. In that As- does sound somewhat like Yahweh. In the Assyrian version, he's Humbaba. Mm. So anyway, 
I think that that's mostly nonsense. But in conclusion, it is, Nimrod is a land of contrasts. <laughs> but it is very interesting because in the Bible, all the lands that Nimrod is said to have ruled over or founded, mm-hmm, Nineveh and Babel and all that, are part of this. Are part of like the Sumerian yeah. zone, which was very active and, and prominent. Those cities were prominent in the time that, you know, the Gilgameshian stuff was in play. Mm-hmm. So it's like vaguely connected in that way. Gilgamesh also, in the story, after the flood, founds a new empire and and rules over it in both good ways and bad ways. In fact, he's like very against idolatry of anything that's not him. So he's like Hmm. sort of... Which we all recognize to this day as being the main like ethical, moral like thing to be concerned with. That's right. Idolatry, (laughs) idolatry, idolatry. Top three issues today. To everyone except the king who's in power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It just seems, it seems like he's so malleable and so. Oh, absolutely! He's a total cipher. Yeah, that I would bet money against him having any historical, actual uh, counterpart. Oh, totally! And I mean, really, that's more of a, a literary connection than it is a historical yeah. one, because Gilgamesh yeah. is. I mean, it's so far back. Probably that, Gilgamesh like, did not actually exist as a as a human. It's, it's like like. Do you ever do you ever think like what would that be like for like our stuff today? Like what future civilizations who would be our malleable like, cipher? Like if it's like clearly there was no real person named Roger Stone. Right. <laughs> it's just a combination of the Music Man and Wiley e. Coyote. I, I don't think those would be the two people that I compared Roger Stone to. They both have way more charm yeah. than Roger Stone. <laughs> or I mean, like we could talk about. Uh, in our last episode on Lilith, we talked about the alphabet of Ben Sirach, which was like a probably satirical piece from medieval times that a lot of people took credulously mm-hmm. as like a real commentary <laughs> on news. on Judaism. And so you wonder, like in the future, somebody could be like, well, there was no like the idea of President Trump was like. The like funniest thing that they could think of. Yeah. It was like the mo- it was like the least likely thing. It was like the example. It like, wouldn't it be funny if we took these ideas to the extreme right. and pretended there was this president who right. did it's this? It's very this, unlikely it? historically that somebody like that would ever be elected. <laughs> However, it was it was an example of like where the worst elements of the democracy that they were like the, the like the like hackiest like news comedy right now is like seen as like this very imaginative thing i mean that... like honestly veep went yeah. from being satire to being just completely realistic when trump was elected. Right. you know like it so i can see but this isn't a show where we talk about politics oh right um forgot about that part we talk uh... about non-controversial subjects like religion <laughs> and politics uh Nowadays, Nimrod. Well, after what's he after, up to these days? <laughs> after Jewish tradition, he he went on. There's there's the Muslim tradition about him in the Quran. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abraham, well, Ibrahim, like confronts an evil king who isn't named, but that's you know traditionally said to be Nimrod. Uh, the Baha'i have a, a similar, similar thing, story, yeah. yeah. Although they kind of absorb all the stories, right? I don't know. Um, and there's a weird medieval myth about him, right, Nate, that you researched? Yeah. So, okay. So there's a lot there's a lot going on here. There's this the story of the white stag. Okay. And a white stag is a real thing in Hungary. 
Okay. There's, there's like a and, there's and like a real one. Other places where there are stags, uh-huh. uh, it the, it is affected with, I think it's pronounced leucism, which oh, is yeah. like albinism, but uh, the Slightly eyes different. are are not the red. Eyes are blue like, instead. Right. So the stag is all over European mythology. Okay. Um, and in this story, like the story itself is not that fascinating, but it's like maybe its influence on like on like the cultures henceforward is kind of cool. Uh, so okay, our boy Nimrod mm-hmm. had two large adult sons named Hunor and Magor. Of course. Uh, yeah, very like typical. Also, um, Nimrod is like a giant. The way that he's depicted is like so. It's kind of like when Homer like thinks of himself getting rich that he's like a giant made of gold. Like that's like where Nimrod goes to in the mythology. <laughs> well, right? in the in the Divine Comedy, yeah, Nimrod also shows up and he's a giant. I have stuff to say about the Divine Comedy too, which I'm excited about. So <laughs> I'm excited wow, about the prepared. words that I'm gonna say. <laughs> so uh, okay, so um. Hunor and Magor are the large adult sons that rule over the land after Nimrod dies. And, um, but, but people start doing identity politics and oh they God. start to they're like uh, millennials because they were born in the year like 1000 bc <laughs> yeah 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 so um so they start to see themselves as like i'm more of a hunor kind of guy i'm like more of a magor kind of gal okay. a magal <laughs> i'm kind of like so that this is like who i identify with and the and um hunor's people were the assholes they were like the fighters they they love to fight um what and, about the Miguel's? Yeah, they're. I'm on the edge of my seat here. Yeah. Tell me about oh, the Miguel's. Rolling up their so the Miguel's, they were they were chill. They were pretty chill. Okay, cool. Um, so the uh, so one day I guess, and this kind of like deviates in different iterations, but it's a folk tale. So what matters is me telling it and what I think is is cool. Absolutely true. So they're like one day they're like they're all hunting like all like Hunor and Magor and like all their people are like out like out on a hunting day or whatever um spoken like a true outdoorsman (laughs) (laughs) yeah just doing doing a just doing a hunting day for themselves (laughs) and um and the the hunors uh see off you know off in the distance a beautiful rare you guessed it white stag holy schnaz and so they go after that to destroy and murder it and end its life because that's all they know that's what you do in yeah. the same way as you yeah. might hunt uh, uh, rare pokemon let's say exactly. Lauren. very like much a, like a, a lion named cecil or something that's right <laughs> For a second, I forgot about the li- the lion named Cecil, so I thought that you were describing a Pokemon. <laughs> you know, like a lion named Cecil. <laughs> we all remember that. He was added in the silver edition. So, um, so the white st- the point is that the white stag led the Hunors off into like a sw- like beyond a swamp and into like a lush, fertile land, and they were like, "Let's just live here forever." And and be the Huns, and so oh, they, that's oh. why they're they're the hun, the, the Huns. Huns the, it's the Huns and the Magyars were the two groups uh, that were in that area, and so some people say that this uh, is like a this fable was like used to justify like the Huns invading Magyar territory because it's like it's already our our bros territory or whatever, um, but. Uh, 
I what I think is really interesting about that is uh oh okay so Hunor's grandson was Attila the Hun. Well, so okay, mathematically I'm having some trouble with this. Right, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> All of them live For 600 sure. years. <laughs> yeah, it it makes no sense, but they're like that's like supposed to be the lineage. Okay. Um, they could have just I, thrown in some filler generations in there, not, you know, and, to make it more yeah. plausible. And like, not only that, but also Attila was a real guy. Yeah. And like, there's no, like, there's no reason to believe that Nimrod was a real guy. So it's like, allegedly, it's like four generations away where like the line between fantasy and reality. It like, just takes a few generations. Yeah. yeah. It, which I love. Like, I I think that's beautiful. Um, I guess if you don't have like written records or at least your written records are very minimal then you can once you get into four generations you can kind of just make <laughs> just up like whatever, whatever you want yeah, yeah. Well, I I mean, guess. and there are there are royal families around the world that can trace their lineage back to actual gods and they're still around right yeah. right right that's true um and then i also think that's funny because um this is like the white stag is an image that it figures into like boy scouts iconography it has to wait, do and like other. Excuse me. Wait, were you a Boy Scout? No. Okay. Okay. But God. I read about this. But uh, Boy Scouts and I've other. About, like, I've read about that. Sort of like child like leadership programs that are like extra curricular, okay. whatever. Um, uh, uh, like use that. The White Stag is also a Patronus in Harry Potter. That's true. Also, yeah, yeah. if you're called the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, they um, mm. uh, they they re- remember like they grow up in Narnia. And then they go, like, one day they're kings and queens that are adults and they're hunting and they find they see the white stag and the white stag leads, leads them, them. And then they go back to the real world. Back to their London apartment yeah. and their parents and are like, kids again. oh, you're back. It's been no time at all. And We're they're like, still that's getting a, bombed by Germany. That's a weird way to say that. Why? Usually when no time passes, no one <laughs> yeah. remarks on it. But um, so, like, that's the white point. stag is, like, kind of this beautiful, wholesome, like, image of like finding your home and like who you are or something um but it also is just like that's that's like taking that's also like the point is like attila the hunt like it was one of our like forefathers huh. like and i don't know if you guys know but attila the hun is canceled like he's he, i read <laughs> some of that guy's hun. old tweets people <laughs> think he's a cool guy but he's actually like he did not respect women. Uh, he was a bad dude. Wow. I'm going to unfollow him right now. That is crazy. That's crazy. Oh. Uh, and of all the biblical figures to pretend like you're related from, like, why Nimrod? Because he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. <laughs> I, guess yeah. was, I guess if you really value That was the thing yeah. that Attila would actually brag about was, like, Nimrod was, like, my ancestor. Whoa. Yeah. Because he was a mighty hunter before the Lord. So it must be indicating that there was like, you know, a powerful folk feeling about yeah. Nimrod more than just the Bible. Because obviously, like, he's barely mentioned in the Bible. Right. And it's weird because the Jewish mythology is not really about him being a hunter, right? It's about him being a, an evil king. A rebel, really. But then, like, I know, you know, in in Israel where people are still named Nimrod, mm-hmm. I assume that's not, like, in honor of a wicked king, right? It's It's probably like oh it means like a heroic right a heroic guy he's a strong dude yeah (laughs) do you know how nimrod came to mean like a dumbass no i don't in modern american english so this is it's probably because this isn't like verified by uh trained (laughs) etymologists but it's probably because in looney tunes bugs bunny 
calls Elmer Fudd Nimrod sarcastically, like, oh, this guy's a mighty hunter, you know, <laughs> when obviously he's not a mighty hunter. He rarely, if ever, shoots his quarry, i.e. Bugs Bunny. Not unlike how Christ had the, when he was crucified, the ironic inscription. The ironic Inri and thus, inscription. Thus, the Fudd is like the Christ of of man's futile attempts to have domain over the beasts of the land. The FUD is like the Christ. <laughs> Put it on Nate's tombstone. <laughs> anyway, most people didn't get the reference, and yeah. they thought it was just an insult like, hey, you Nimrod. Or one of those other many racist things that they used to say on their shows. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's actually interesting. Looney Tunes, if I can just zip into the etymology corner real quick. <laughs> you got it. Looney Tunes has had a bizarrely huge impact on, like, American language and culture. Mm -hmm. For example, did you know that in the wild, rabbits don't eat carrots? Oh, wow. The reason that Bugs Bunny eats a carrot is because there's a Clark Gable movie where he's <laughs> talking real fast and he's eating a carrot. That's hmm. And he's teaching Claudette Colbert how to hitchhike. <laughs> hmm. And then she shows him up because he... His thumb isn't working. None of the cars are stopping. And then she rolls up her skirt. He eats a whole carrot in a weird way. He does. He's like, he's, like he's he... <laughs> shaving the carrot. It's very weird. There's no reason for it to be in the scene. They're just on the road. And he's like shaving off little pieces of carrot and crunching on them as he goes, <laughs> oh, you got to put your thumb like this. Huh. And that was a reference. They did that for Bugs Bunny because it was like, oh, he's, he, you know, he's kind of a dashing, funny, like Clark Gable type of character. <laughs> and then now you go to the store on Easter and it's like, a candy carrot because that's what rabbits eat you know like they don't eat carrots they're like is that sugar, really right? etymology though no but there's there are a lot of things like that because basically the people who i hate to Looney police Tunes, the corner like no that, no no sorry. no. but the nimrod thing was etymology yeah but you went into but the, i know looney tunes corner if we this, want to yes <laughs> looney tunes corner now there's a bunch of things like that because the people who made looney tunes were constantly referring they Everything was like a reference. Mm -hmm. And then 50 years later, people are watching these reruns on Saturday morning and nobody gets the references anymore. But there's a lot of linguistic stuff in there. I think this is a spinoff. <laughs> it's time to start my Looney Tunes podcast. I think that would be phenomenal. Can I tell you about my Divine Comedy thing? Yeah. That I also read on Wikipedia like everything else. But... Uh, yeah, please. <laughs> um, so uh, at one point, so when they encounter Nimrod in hell, he says in something. In the Divine Comedy. In Dante's Inferno. Yeah. Okay. Um, Nimrod says something inscrutable that is never translated. It's just like these words, right, that don't look like anything. It's oh, because like, he built like the Tower of Babel. Right. Well, so that's what like Virgil says is like, oh, this guy, like he's he's cursed to like to like you know speak uh, gibberish all the time. Um, to babble, as it were. But then a, another... Babylon. Like, I guess that there's, like, some old Hungarian that they translated it to sound like... it's a, it's He's saying, like, this is a this is a prison and I'm trapped here. So, Wait, what? Yeah. Wait, so Dante knew this guy who was a pretender to the throne of Hungary. The Pope installed this 18-year-old to the throne of Hungary because he was declaring um, a crusade against another guy who was the king of Hungary. And Dante was friends with this guy, this 18-year-old pretender to the throne for some reason. And he could have asked that guy how to say, like, like welcome to the prison house or whatever the fuck. <laughs> yeah, welcome to in, the prison in house. In the old Hungarian. And he left that in. But then Virgil goes, 
oh yeah this this guy's talking nonsense because he doesn't know old hungarian wait that's and it's crazy. like an ancient uh, esoteric joke that like people didn't decode for a long time because hmm. possibly because nimrod was like the grandfather of attila that's the yeah. connection holy yeah. shit arguably arguably or it's just or it's yeah or it's just whatever <laughs> and do you know why or he's supposed to be a giant as well is he like a nephilim he's supposed to be a nephilim yeah oh, shit. Uh, well be- a nephil i guess is nephil yeah singular because and this goes back to my research on shady websites but the character of Nim- the character of gilgamesh is very lusty and so the correlation of that character with a biblical king means he's you know he's not doing right by god mm-hmm and that means you're making giants in the Bible. But does that mean he's... But he's a... Yeah, it doesn't really make any sense. Hmm. So don't interrogate it too deeply. But okay. that idea that having sex with who you're not supposed to makes giants hmm. is from the Bible. That's true. Wow. Which is what I say at the at the cashier at the grocery store every week. <laughs> <laughs> they hate me there. <laughs> don't understand why. It sounds like a perfectly reasonable thing to tell them. It's also perfectly reasonable that we would try to rate this myth. Rate this myth. We forgot to do this last time. Sorry, everybody. Now, usually we rate a book, as you know, uh, this doesn't have a corpus in the same way. I cannot produce the body, as the Constitution says. There are, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot, but we got to rate it using the only real device that can do that, which is our heart. I was going to use my brain. Is that okay? Absolutely, darling. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm going to give it five out of seven toenail cloaks. Okay. Um, I love how just like how diverse it is and just how much material there is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's fun to read about lots of different weird folktales with, you know, swarms of gnats and fiery furnaces and sucking milk from your thumb and stuff sure if you're into that um fucking weirdo (laughs) i'm not into that i don't know what you're talking about but uh i don't think i guess you know the past two episodes that we've done like lilith and fall of satan those had a lot of resonance for me Mm -hmm. um they dealt with stuff that's that's still like in play in play right um the nimrod thing i feel like it doesn't I don't, it doesn't slap. Yeah, it doesn't slap. I mean, it's cool. It's fun to read about. And uh, I like the idea of this figure that is just like, whenever you need to sub in a a wily king who's mm-hmm. going to beef with Abraham, just throw Nimrod in there. Right. But, you know, it's not it's not as exciting to me as like, wow, this, this myth really exposes how misogyny has not changed in 2,000 years, you right. know? So... Five out of seven. Yeah. Similarly, I think I can give it four out of six brain gnats. Okay. Um, Same reasons. Some good stories, some good fun, had by all, I'll presume. But like you said, not that applicable to the real world. Really, really very narrowly Bible adjacent, (laughs) considering Bible mentions him once or twice. And it's sort of like confused about maybe that being a character or person at all. Um, cause it's just sort of a mix up of stuff. Um, but it's very interesting to hear that, you know, that myth was still alive as late as medieval Hungary. As late as Attila the Hun, you know, yeah. or like that, that Nimrod as a character would live on in a sort of extra biblical way all the way to Dante. And to Bugs Bunny. <laughs> and to Bugs Bunny. Yeah. So it, 
in that way, it's it's fascinating to see these mythical characters that live alongside the Bible in its wake, one might say, uh, and see how far the, along they get carried. What about you, Nate? Uh, yeah, totally. I, I'm going to give Nimrod an 8.7 out of a possible 11 ziggurats. Mm-hmm. Uh, ziggurats? <laughs> love the pronunciation. Um. Uh, yeah, I I love that I I think I like Nimrod a lot. I like that he has toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. But, you like that, but but fucks up a lot. Like I think that's like a character that I am entertained by. Um, I I like uh, yeah, he's like incorrigible and like uh kind of like a folk hero, but uh, also a folk villain at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated by that kind of. At the same time, he is problematic, and um, he, yeah, like, he sucks. He's a bad dude, um, but... But is he a bad enough dude to save the president? (laughs) I mean, only time will tell. Is he a bad enough dude to kiss his mom on the lips? (laughs) Yeah, I think he is. And that's that's the reason, that's the whole reason behind my rating. (laughs) Great. Awesome. But before... We wrap the show up. We do have to do something that's been long overdue, which is reach back in the Sunday School Dropouts official mailbag TM. So listener Margot writes in and uh, she says we've blessed her dogs before, but now she would like us to curse the legendary anti-fascist hockey mascot Gritty. We... We're able to process this request because she sent us a photo of herself with Gritty. However, we would never curse Gritty because, to quote one of the best tweets ever posted, I would die for Gritty, also he's gay. So we're going to bless him. At the end of days, God will dress Gritty in garments of light, which will shine from one end of the world to the other. Another Another listener wrote in, I I won't use her name just because it's a sensitive topic, but um, she grew up Christian and she writes, we were taught very explicitly that women are inherently sinful and disgraceful and that we should aspire to Paul's ideal to never have sex, which I internalized to such a degree that even after I stopped believing, which was happening around the time I got married when I was 21, I could not have sex with my husband. I was never able to, even after I fully cast off Christianity and ultimately we got divorced. I felt constant deep shame for both wanting to and also not being able to have sex. See, this is the thing. When you raise impressionable young people to think that sex is evil, then they can't just like magically turn it off when they get married. And that's why I still cover my eyes during kissing scenes in movies, even though I'm a 31-year-old woman who is married. So anyway... This listener also asked us to curse her cats, Sid and Washburn. Nico, would you do the honors? May the Lord scatter them, the cats in this case, over the earth and confuse the language of the whole world. <laughs> Very appropriate for the situation. Yes, that is taken from Genesis 11. As a reminder, you can rate and review the show on iTunes and it's helpful. Why? Because of mysterious reasons. Also because... Our rating recently went from five stars to four and a half stars because of certain Christians giving us one star. Hey, we don't know that they're Christians. We do know that they're assholes. And saying that even though one of the hosts has a good background in Hebrew, thank you very much, (laughs) this is not for true seekers of the gospel or something like that. A common complaint is apparently that our show is not for true seekers. (laughs) I don't know how we got filed under the true seeking section of (laughs) iTunes, 
but we shouldn't be there, and I'm calling jobs on the phone right now. No answer yet, but we'll work it out. You could be like this person with an, frankly, unpronounceable name who gave us (laughs) three out of three non-believing sort of Jews and said that who knew so much of the New Testament is basically just Paul's weird prudish problems with sex. Whoa. Who knew? This listener who wrote in did. Well, and now was, and now you do. <laughs> now you that do too. left a review of the Bible. <laughs> in a sense, yeah, we're giving the forum out there for people to review this book. Rate this yeah, Bible. If you if you feel any way about this podcast, you should rate it five stars and but that's a review of the Bible, which is the word of the Lord. Yeah. And, you, uh, and is inerrant and uh yeah. and literal. Anyway, Nate, where can people find you on internet? At Nathaniel Wag on Twitter. Can Two you weeks spell ago, that? N a t h a n i e l w a g g. Thank you. Great job spelling your own name, by the way. <laughs> I I was really focusing. <laughs> <laughs> And two weeks ago, I dropped a killer tweet about Jesus Christ that was inspired by this very conversation. So just scroll back. Just scroll back. (laughs) Um, I'm on Twitter at Lauren E. O'Neill. O'Neill spelled like Shaquille spells it. I'm on Twitter at Nico Bakulich, N-I-K-O-B-A-K-U-L-I-C-H. The show is also on Twitter at Sunschool Drop. And our website is sundayschooldropouts.lol. That's sundayschooldropouts.lol, not .com. If you want to email us, simply go to your favorite email app. And in the, <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. I'm lost already. Field, <laughs> email app? Type in... <laughs> Contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Again, not .com or we will not receive your email. .truth.seeking. <laughs> That's right. .gosp. <laughs> um, and, of course, uh, we always thank Elise Carlson for our beautiful logo. And I thank Nico for sound engineering, editing, and uh, music. You're Original very music. We'll be back in two weeks. We got so much more, frankly, garbage to talk about. <laughs> And we'd love to do it with you or to you, depending on how you think about it. Thank you again to Nate for being here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Hey, thank you. And we'll see you Sunday. We'll see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye.